Thank you for listening to the Spectrum Lounge. If you enjoy this podcast, please support us at patreon.com backslash filmfatale underscore NYC. And be sure to subscribe to the Spectrum Lounge. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Fashan, and on this episode, I'm joined by Jerry L. Barrow as we review the Netflix original film, The Harder They Fall, directed and co-written by James Samuel. Yeah, so we are gathered here um, to uh, review the uh, Black Western revenge drama, right? The Harder They Fall. Yes. Um, mm. It is directed by James Samuel and also co-written uh, I believe the writing credits are James Samuel. He co-wrote it along with Boaz Yakin. I hope I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. his name correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yo, like this movie? <laughs> is, I mean, I just, I was just like, I can't wait. I was like, I can't wait to do a, a the podcast review for this. Because I mean, you and I had both seen the trailer when it dropped out. Mm-hmm. You know, it dropped a few months ago. I mean, we knew about this movie back when they announced it. But I did not know that this movie was gonna go so fucking hard. I was like, "Wow, ridiculous!" That that just took so, the trailer mm-hmm. of Idris mm-hmm. walking down that train car with all the bullets falling down around him, and yeah, you know what was tricky for me was that I I love all these actors, and it, I wasn't prepared for them t- for who was gonna be the bad guy because all I knew was that one of them was seeking revenge. So I was like, "Who was getting mm-hmm, revenge mm-hmm. on who and what?" Because I, I love Jonathan Majors, I love Idris Elba, so I'm like, wait a minute, I'm gonna have to root against right. one of these fools. So, um, yes. Yes. I wasn't that I wasn't prepared for that, um, but mm-hmm. they brilliantly even played with that. You know, we'll get to that at the end of the. You know, when we talk about the ending, it's like, yeah, no, nothing is, is as it seems. You know, so I I was stoked for this movie from jump, and then you got the soundtrack, you got the casting, you got, you know all the hype around it was was warranted to me yeah i mean there's so many different things that i want to talk to about this movie but i guess we'll start with basically the synopsis of this movie right uh Mm -hmm. basically number one all of these characters in the heart of they fall are based on historical characters uh so while the story is fictional all right. the characters, uh, Nat Love, uh, mm-hmm. Stagecoach Mary, uh, mm-hmm. Trudy Smith, all of these were actual black cowboy renegades who actually yes. existed in history and have been erased. And I think that's one of the, the definitely the importance of um, mm. The Harder They Fall. And James Sa- James Samuel has said this in interviews along with Jay-Z and the cast too, is the fact that this movie is really their way of like reclaiming the narrative and, and the, and course correcting the erasure um, mm-hmm. of black people in the West. Because I mean, we all grew up on like the John Wayne movies and then mm-hmm. going into like, you know, the movies like Tombstone and 310 to Yuma. And, you know, these are all classic staples, like Unforgiven, of course, you know, along with John Wayne, then we got, you know, uh, Clint Eastwood. So you had a lot of these uh, iconic 
Westerns in Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? Which a lot of critics love, but we were, maybe they would have like a token black character. And if there were black characters, they were usually in subservient roles. Um, right. And this movie is like, what I loved about The Harder They Fall is that white people are fucking irrelevant in this movie. They are literally <laughs> yeah. a side character. They are literally just like, we don't care about... Now, let, let's be clear. It, we see through the dialogue and certain things that happen with the characters. Racism is very real and alive. This is not like some post-racial, harmonious, like, you know, the white supremacy is at work, right? And yes, this clearly. kind of informs some, informs some of the characters and the choices that they make to be criminals because they are shut out of the system that you know, does not benefit them. But what I love about, I love the fact that there are no main white characters. They are irrelevant. They just show up and they go the fuck away. They're window dressing for the most much part. Like how, yeah, much like how they treated us for the first hundred years of cinema, right? So yeah. now they're getting a taste of their own medicine. So, yeah. So this was interesting for me because the first... Mm-hmm. Um, Western I saw with a black person was when I was in elementary school, my teacher took us to see this movie called Man and Boy. It was mm-hmm. with Bill Co- it was with Bill Cosby. It was he was a it was post-Civil War. He was a soldier and he and his family were settling in Arizona. Um mm-hmm. so that was the first time that I saw so I was maybe about 10. The first time I saw a Western that had like a black person, it was like, oh, okay. But then it was probably right. another tw- 20 years before I saw it again. And this feels like this is this has been a, a passion project for James because he had another short, I mean, mm-hmm. 51 minutes that was similar okay. um, mm-hmm. called They Die by Dawn. It came out in 2013 and he used some of these same real people but had different people cast. Like um, there was Stagecoach Mary, but it was Erica mm-hmm. Badu with Stagecoach Mary. And um, oh wow, yeah, oh, wow. and and the late Michael K. Williams was Nat Love in that version. Oh. Yes, oh, yes, it's, it's it's streaming on title if people want to check it out. But that was his. Mm-hmm. He, I know he says this is the harder they fall is his first feature length film, which is correct. But mm-hmm. he does mm-hmm. have a fifty one minute western with a all black cast like the cast was fire like you talking about harry lennox um nate parker um -hmm. like so i I felt like that was the dress rehearsal for this Mm -hmm. for for the harder they fall because he got yeah it was isaiah isaiah washington nate parker jesse williams bokeem woodbine was bill pickett erica badu roger guinevere smith and harry lennox like what the hell? Like, how do you, you got all those people? So <laughs> did, you, did you, you said Roger Guinevere Smith, who I love. He is just, yes. Oh my God. Yes. Wow. So, he, so, wow. so this was, that was like the dress rehearsal. It felt like mm-hmm. for, for this one, because he's like, I'm going to get black star power and I'm going to tell the stories of these black cowboys and cow women, cow girls, however. Um, mm-hmm. So, so this, this, this is the polished, remixed version it feels like he got a fully fleshed out story and mm-hmm. i'm just loving it from the beginning you know you, you the opening scene you see the little boy playing um that love and i'm like oh that's chase dylan from underground railroad i'm like oh yes. but i'm wondering yes but i'm wondering if the, when it was filmed because mm-hmm. i think he even said that he had cast jonathan majors in this before um wow. lovecraft country 
So he uh-huh. was really he knew who he, who he wanted from Jump, it, and he's the casting was just amazing in this movie. Yeah, I just, well, it, let's touch on what you said. I mean, first off, let's kind of go through a synopsis of what The Harder They Fall is. Mm-hmm. Basically, it is a revenge western, you know, very much mm-hmm. within the vein of the genre. Uh, Nat Love, who is played by Jonathan Majors, basically mm-hmm. is out for blood against Rufus Buck. Right. Right. So right. It, it seems that in a series of flashbacks and there are tri- there are major spoilers in this. So if you have not seen The Heart of They Fall, please press pause or stop. Yeah. Go see the movie and then come back and watch it. We got to <laughs> yes. talk about this. Yes. So, yeah. So anyway, Nat Love, uh, he's known as a robber who robs other robbers. <laughs> right. So you, have, so you have like these you have like these bank robbers. And then once they're running away, you know, in the getaway, you know, the Nat Love gang is basically right. waiting for these robbers and steals from them, which is the perfect crime, right? Because right? they right. did all the work and then they reap all the rewards. And so people don't know who to look for, right? Um, yep. So anyway, we, under- we understand that Nat Love and, and Rufus Buck basically have a blood feud. Um, on the uh, Nat-, Nat Love gang, we have Nat Love. We also have uh, Pickett, who's, uh, I'm trying to remember... Who's on the cast? Uh, who's who's in? Who's on whose team? Um, oh, there and, was. Yeah. Um, I always miss mess Eddie Gefegi. I'm I'm sorry, yes. I'm butchering your name, brother. He yes. as Bill Pickett. Um, mm-hmm. R.J. Siler. Um, mm-hmm. he was Beckworth Jim Beckworth, and mm-hmm. then um, who else was in his gang? I feel like those are the two main mm-hmm. for his gang as well. Because what's the Puffy. Uh, the the one who was the the very tomboyish looking Cafe yes, Williams, yeah, Danielle Danielle Deadweiler. Um, oh she my was gosh, Cafe Williams. About her. Yes. she was incredible. I guess I didn't think mm-hmm. about her as being part of his gang because she was with Stagecoach Mary first. So I think of her as being Stagecoach mm-hmm. Mary's um, person. Yeah, but she's basically yeah. the security guard at the saloon and makes everybody mm-hmm. check their guns. And it's so funny because she's this small. Demi, you know, demure looking person. Mm-hmm. People people mm-hmm. think she's a little boy. And mm-hmm. du- dudes is like, I'm not giving up my gun. And she's like, Well, you're gonna hang, you're gonna check your gun or else. <laughs> and she just manhandling dudes. She's <laughs> like, check your weapon. She's all polite and shit. One dude mm-hmm. crosses her, and now you see mm-hmm. why she's security because she said people underestimate me. They look at me and they don't think I can handle myself. And right. she should. And, but I love that she was um, based on an actual civil. Yeah. War. She was um, a, she she was the first black woman I think to serve in the army in the civil war. But she was war. dressed as a boy. But, 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 but she, she went as a boy. She went as a man. Yeah, she dressed up as a yes. man. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. so she was. A, she, um, I think her um, her name is Kathy Williams, but she went in as William Kathy. I think is yeah. the way the story yeah. goes. She gave the name William Kathy. So she was phenomenal. And I I love the I think I forgot what else she was in. She was in um shoot. I'm forgetting now, but someone else had pointed out where else we had seen her. She's in Watchmen. She actually in the, in the, in the yes, yes, yes. Yeah, in the in the flashback, an extraordinary being, she was actually the wife to Hidden Justice. You. She's the one who gave him yes. she's the one who gave him the idea to So see, there's definitely connections there. There's definitely a Lovecraft connection in the fact right. that Jonathan Majors is in it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure 
you know, you never know how these things work out. But yeah, like, mm-hmm. so that's the Nat Love gang. And then the Rufus Buck gang, you have Rufus Buck, who is played by mm-hmm. Idris Elba. You have Trudy Smith, who's played by Regina King. And I cannot wait to talk about her. And then yes. Cherokee Bill is played by Lakeith Stansfield. And I just want to say really quick before I forget, I've right. seen quite a few discussions online that say that Lakeith Stansfield is overrated and that he's not good, that good of an actor. And I'm like, I'm going to stop mm-hmm. y'all right there. All right. right. Number one. <laughs> This is the way that I feel about Lakeith Stansfield. Lakeith Stansfield works in specificity. When you give him specific Mm. roles, Mm -hmm. that's when he shines. Like when you think about his role as Darius in Atlanta, that role Mm. is so specific because Darius is like this very like zen, sweet Mm. smoking, but very profound, Mm -hmm. but very naive and Lakeith nails all those beats. I don't know. I don't know a lot of actors that could play such a mercurial you know, performance, you know what I'm saying? And then you think about, and then you think about his performance in Get Out. It's not, Mm -hmm. he doesn't get a lot of screen presence, but just from the time where we see he's abducted and then the scene in the, the, the the garden party, right? Like the auction party. And then he snaps He's unforgettable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see when he was like, get out. Like you felt like the pain and the horror. Like, I think Lakeith is a very good actor, but like I said, like you have to use him as a, as a tool, like a weapon. You have to be very specific on where he is. Like my personal opinion in Judaism, the black Messiah, I don't feel that his performance, I don't think it was him. I just think Mm -hmm. the way that they wrote the character, it wasn't very informed. So it was a very flat performance to me. I felt like you could have put any actor in there, but when you give Lakeith him stuff to do, he will rise to the fucking occasion, and he was great. Like, in like, I love like in yeah. Knives Out. I thought he was good in Knives Out, but then he was kind of yes. flat in the photograph. So I, 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 I agree go. with you one hundred percent. I agree with you one hundred percent. But mm-hmm. this was this was a role is, made for him. Yep. This is role made for because you understand, like he's like in real life, he's just he's very odd. He's a very mm-hmm. odd person. So oh you yeah. To, you you have to. <laughs> You, I know you told me stories. You have to <laughs> channel that. If you're a director, you have to channel the energy that Lakeith mm-hmm. has and you have to transform it and infuse that into the character that he plays. And then you're like, okay. You know what I'm saying? What was that movie he did? The one with the with the voices? Um, Boots Riley's movie. What was that? Sorry, sorry oh, to bother sorry you. Sorry to you. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, cool in you that. Know what I, mean? like, I wasn't mad at him yeah. in that. Yeah, so I, I think after the harder they fall, I think people are going to be looking at him like, wait, okay, okay. So I know, you know, whatever. But also to your point, one of the things that I thought was so brilliant, and I'm just, I'm a huge fan of James Samuel. I follow him on Twitter, and he's my new husband mm-hmm. in my head. Um, <laughs> the director. <laughs> what I loved is kind of like what you said, is that just the casting was subversive, right? Like the mm-hmm. Rufus Buck gang who are positioned as, the villains are portrayed by our more popular black actors. You got yes. Idris Regina and Lakeith. Yes. Right? Like, like another director would have given them the hero roles, but they're like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. We're going to give you everybody loves Regina King. Every, no, everybody loves Idris. And for the most part, a lot of people like Lakeith Stansfield. So I have very conflicting feelings. Like, yes. Do I want, like, do I want them to win or do I want them to lose? I'm not really <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> it's Idris' fucking Elba. Like, come on. And then, you right. know, and then for Regina, and then for Regina King, everybody loves Regina King. And then, I love the fact that 
I, I wanted to tweet this, but like Regina King always understands the fucking assignment. Like mm-hmm. to think that just two years ago she was playing a black woman superhero as as mm-hmm. as Sister Knight and Watchmen, and then she flipped that shit, and now she's villainous as fuck, and yes. she's flawless in both. Like I was just looking yes. at her like, wow, wow. <laughs> but she was a relatable villain though, because even from the beginning yes. of the film, when they mm-hmm. when they break out Idris and she's talking to the to the white dude. She's standing there on the yeah. horse and, and he says, mm, <laughs> she just pops him right in the face. <laughs> and Lakita's like, he might have said nincompoop. She said, I ain't no nincompoop. I ain't no nincompoop. We're little, so, we're little... <laughs> <laughs> so two things about that scene, right? So the, 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 right. the, the what we saw in the trailer was when they were breaking out Idris. And of course, we were watching it as Oh, Idris is this wronged black man who they're trying to break right. out. And of course, you watch the movie. We're like, no, he's the My. devil incarnate himself. Well, not yes. the devil, but you know what I'm saying. He's the villain. Oh, no. So they were really Bruce Rufus Buck was a, was a very bad person. Let's be clear. Oh yes, he was. Oh, yeah, yes, so. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got Idris to play him. So it's like. You should have known. We should have known. I should have done my research. But there were two things about that scene that you mentioned that I thought were uh, really fascinating. Number one, mm-hmm. uh, the train that they stopped, there's an Easter egg. The train is called the C.A. Bozeman, which they named after Chadwick Bozeman, which I thought was beautiful because they actually yes. shot this during the, during the pandemic. And I think, yeah, Ch- Chadwick had died the, the year before in 2020 so I really right. love that they were able to incorporate like I could over I could have always oh, imagined Chadwick in this movie I don't know which role but I could have seen him oh in that. for but, sure for sure yeah, yeah but I'm glad that they honored his presence with that and mm-hmm. then the other thing speaking to that scene where mm-hmm. he said Nick and shot him and then he was like <laughs> I mean, like we in the audience know what he was going to say and this is and this kind of ties into this tweet that you sent me somebody mm-hmm. had tweeted something to the effect of how Quentin Tarantino is sh- Quentin Tarantino is shook somewhere that they managed to make a blockbuster <laughs> without anyone dropping the n-word so I feel like that was sort of right. like a shot at Tarantino yes, yes. I do it does feel seem that. like it was a very subtle shot to mm-hmm. Tarantino that was my girl Tori she used to work with me at BET um, she yeah. tweeted that and all the Tarantino stands in her mentions right now. And I'm like, fuck them all. <laughs> but the music choices are so fucking inspired because everyone talks about Tarantino's music we choices about in his movies. Oh, Can we talk mm-hmm. about this? Yes, let's do that. Let's oh go there. my God. Using reggae. I tweeted this like using reggae to score a mm-hmm. Western feels mm-hmm. so it's, it feels unexpected, but it's so natural. And it's like, of course, Buffalo Soldiers, like. Of course, you would use reggae to score to score a western. Like it makes all the sense in the world. But I love that he he he, I love that he introduces it in a way that it makes you feel like oh, Mm -hmm. this is something. This this is what this is what diversity really means. Like this is when you Mm -hmm. when you bring in different thoughts and different perspectives. It makes Mm -hmm. it makes things that you're used to fuller and richer and better. You know, you've watched right. Westerns for 20, 30 years. You never thought to have reggae. But here comes this black British man saying, why don't we use reggae? And it, and, and it makes all the sense in the world. It was beautiful. Right. And, and, you know, he I didn't realize that he's an art. The director is a musician and artist himself. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. He, he performs under the bullets. He did because um, he worked with Jay-Z on the Great Gatsby music. So mm-hmm. when I went when I went to the, the launch party they had, he was emceeing 
the whole thing. Right. And I was just like, wait, that's the director? Like he was on there orchestrating mm-hmm. and introducing all the artists. He's very comfortable in music, in music spaces. Yeah. So it makes all the sense that the music for this film would be so elevated because um, James is just, a, he thinks on a whole nother level. Yes, because the thing is like, it totally made sense. Like for me, like at first you're like, oh, reggae music in a black American Western? Like you said, like, but it, it does make sense, right? Because let's think about it. Like reggae music was, is a form of music. It's, it's, it's revolutionary, right? Because, and let me be clear about something. The reason why I love how they used reggae in this music is something that has always bothered me is how American cinema, and I'm calling out all these mm-hmm. white fucking filmmakers and some black mm-hmm. American ones too, how right. when they use reggae music, it's only for, let's talk about white, white filmmakers, Okay. When they mm-hmm. use reggae music, it's always when the white characters are about to get fucking hot. Can, can we be yeah. real on this? That's it. That's right? it. Smoking weed. That's, That's it. it. That's just, it. Just smoking weed, which is such a fucking like stereotype. And it's, it reduces what reggae music really is. You know what I'm yes. saying? So it's like all oh, these white boys, oh, they, they're going to play some Bob Marley. And it's like, oh my God, this is so fucking stupid. <laughs> like, why are y'all doing this? You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. to see... A black British director who has West Indian roots, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I'm going to use reggae music in this very cinematic, operatic, you know what I mean? Because when you listen to Barrington Levy, who was like the fucking godfather of, like, like his mm-hmm. music is very, like, he's got horns. And, like, it, it, it is literally like what you would say if you went to like a Hans Zimmer or a Joan Johansson, right? A lot yeah, of like these right. composers of American filmmaking, like the problem, like even in American cinema is like, we don't really have a lot of black film composers. We're still fighting, even though we like black music is everything and it's global when it comes to mm-hmm. scoring music, you know, except for the Quincy Jones and the Isaac Hayes and um, most recently the guy who scored uh, Green Book. He, he is a classical musician or whatever. Is this mm-hmm. idea that black that black musicians do not understand, uh, like we only do hip hop and R&B, which right. also is already reductive to say that there's not genius in that movie. But there is right. this idea of like, we can't do, um, we can't work with like, uh, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like you can't compose music with like a symphony. And if you look at, right. if you listen to Barrington Levy's music, it has all that right. shit. Yep. But nobody would yep. recognize that because he's black and because he's Jamaican. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. Yep. So, he, and, he, so that, yeah. And I was going to say, he Go performed ahead. at the show and he's on the soundtrack. Mm. So that was just an amazing thing. And one of the coolest things was Jay-Z was there and he was in the audience like a fan. Like you watched him fanning out when wow. Barrington Levy was on stage performing. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was just a sight to behold. But yeah, I agree with everything you're saying when it comes to the music and how um, mm-hmm. reggae was used to elevate every scene, every scene. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he's also using Afrobeat artists. I mean, yes. like it was just like this, it was like this African diaspora of like, mm-hmm. like we're gonna show you the diversity and even the casting, right? You've got black British actors, black mm-hmm. American actors, uh actors that have, you know, West Indian roots. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just like you like you're not sitting there like, oh well, it just is British. Why is he playing this role? Like I wasn't right. feeling that way. You know what I mean? It was like because it's balanced, because Regina mm-hmm. Hall is there, Regina King is there, and also Lakeith Stansfield. So there's definitely a balance of how he cast it. Now when we talk about the casting, I would be mm-hmm. remiss if I did not right. mention the casting right. controversy. 
And you yes. know which one I'm talking about. Yes, but Z- Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats is I'll let you go portraying... first. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So she was cast to play Stagecoach Mary. Now, here's mm-hmm. the thing. If you go on the Google searches, if you go on the Googles and you pull up pictures of the real Stagecoach Mary, who is Mary Fields, she was, I think she was like the first woman postal carrier or black woman postal carrier. And then she kind of used the money and she owned bars and saloons and restaurants and everything. So she was like a very enterprising uh, black American woman. But if Mm -hmm. you look at the actual pictures of Mary Fields, she is darker skinned and heavier set. She don't look Mm -hmm. nothing like Zazzy Beats, okay? Um, right. So there's two things that there's two things that I'm going to throw out, and then you tell me what you think. So number right. one, here's the thing: if you also look up the pictures of the other characters in the movie, they're not exactly cast. Oh, go ahead, but I don't let you go ahead. But at all, at all, I'm Rufus, gonna, I, Rufus, I'm just, Adrius, yeah. Rufus Buck was killed when he was 18, right? Okay. And Rufus <laughs> Buck, if you if you look at the picture of Rufus Buck, he is a lighter skinned black man, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he was and Ru- and Idris was nowhere near nobody's eighteen years old. So creative right. license was taken on both sides, mm-hmm. and I, but it's, I don't want to dismiss people's Zazzy crit- critique. Oh, of course not. Mm-hmm. But it's but we got to understand that it's it's gonna go it goes both ways in this film and I understand we have a history of erasure right. of dark darker skinned historic figures um, mm-hmm. being played by lighter skinned black people I'm not gonna sit here and act like that doesn't happen but in right. this instance I don't think it was an intentional like we're gonna go out. And we're going to make sure we find a light-skinned actress to play stagecoach mm-hmm. Mary. Because as I mentioned before, he had Erica Badu play her in his first, the first time he did this. So right. I, I don't, I think it was Zazie's agent probably just worked a little harder than somebody else's, you know, would I, would I have loved to see Tiona Paris in that role? Sure. But Tiona Paris Ooh. is getting her, getting her Marvel money right now. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I try, try not to look give horses in the mouth, not to not to mm. be plenty of a Western, but we got such a an embarrassment of riches with this mm. cast that mm. if this was another, if this was a movie where there was hardly any black people, right? Like mm. if this was like you know another another bi- a biopic, you know, right. and yeah. and we and there's very few black roles for a black person, and the one black person that's supposed to be dark skinned is played by a lighter skinned person, I would be more upset. But we have an array of beautiful black people in this movie. So I'm, I, I, I try to pick my battles. So I'm not right. about to go to the mat and, and beef with this movie over Zazie Beats being cast as... Mm-hmm. But I will say to that point, why is it they can't get Jonathan Majors a dark skinned love interest? It seems like okay. every... <laughs> I was like, wait yeah. a minute. Mm-hmm. This is giving me Lovecraft Crash Country vibe because I can't remember a movie where Jonathan Majors has a love interest and it's a dark-skinned black woman. That might be a conversation oh, for another day, but that yeah. is something I, I picked up on that more than anything. Like, huh? Like, well, you're you're on to something, and I'm gonna tell mm-hmm. you why because why? you know that Jonathan Majors is playing Nathaniel Reed's in. Um, uh, what's her in uh, the Loki series, right? Like he was introduced oh, in the yes. Loki series, and so we know that there's going to be different versions of him. And so one of the versions of Nathaniel Reed's will be Kang, the Conqueror, yes. will be showing up in the Ant Man three movie. Okay, right. All right. Now here's the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was just thinking about it. Yes, yes, go ahead. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. Go ahead, bring it home. 
I'm just saying. <laughs> according to the comics, according to the comics, his love interest ha- is the character Ravona, who is played by Gugu and Batha Raw. Yep. Lo- now I love Gugu. You know how I feel about her. That's my girlfriend yes. in my head. But she yes. has lighter skin. So I'm right. to see a pattern. I see what you're there's, saying. There's so, a pattern. There's a pattern yeah. there. But yeah. I don't have a beef with the harder they mm. fall because if you look at all the characters there's some light-skinned folks being played by dark-skinned folks and even mm-hmm. though we're t- if we're talking about privilege it's not it doesn't always it's not the same going back and forth right i still i'm i'm not ready to fight over that for this particular movie not not this right. time not to okay. say i re- i reserve the mm. right to do it for other movies but i'm not going to do it for this <laughs> one. well, well here, here's my thoughts here are my thoughts on the casting like to be fair I will say, yes, there wasn't a lot of historical, ac- uh, there wasn't a lot of mm-hmm. accuracy in casting these characters. Like you said, there are darker skinned actors playing lighter skin or mixed race cast. Like the fact that Cherokee Bill, who is played by Lakeith, uh, Lakeith Stansfield, J- Cherokee Bill was not just a nickname for him. He was literally half black and half Native American. Yes. So by that rule, you should have cast a half black and half Cherokee actor or Native yeah. American, right? Okay. Right. So, and that's something that can be debated. And, you know, like I said, mm-hmm. I think, I feel like everybody, whatever critiques people have about the casting and the accuracy, they're all valid. I'm not going right. to fight you or whatever. What right. I will say to, to, to add to the layer of what I was saying is like when I watched, uh, when I was watching The Heart of They Fall, and then to be fair, I thought Zazie gave a good performance. I, yes. I liked her in it. I liked her in it. So I'm, yes. I'm just going to, be fair, because I think a couple, a few things can be true at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. She gave a good performance. I was impressed by her. Um, on the other hand, yes, they could have cast a darker-skinned actress. Listen, Danielle Brooks could have bodied that fucking role. Okay, mm-hmm. T- Tasty from Orange Is the New Black. Everybody, Ooh. everybody's top two picks were Wumi, mm-hmm. were, were Danielle Brooks and Wumi Masako, also yes. a Lovecraft alumni who played Ruby. Yes. One yes. would have murdered that woman that we would have been like, wait, what? <laughs> Imagine seeing a fighting. Oh my god! Oh my god! We, that would have been crazy. Yeah, we we already got a taste of her actual role in Loki, right? I forget what yes. her character's name is. Like she can put a hurting on you. You know yes. what I'm saying? So I do agree that when I was watching the harder they fall, and then watching the the interaction between. Nat Love and mm-hmm. Matt Stage Park. She's clearly like the love interest and mm-hmm. like sort of like the Helen of Troy of the movie. And so there is definitely a question of could you not have seen a darker skinned um, plus size actress in that role? Right. Yeah. And so that speaks to this bias that we are still fighting in how, even amongst black filmmakers, we're not even talking about white filmmakers, we're talking about black filmmakers, particularly black male filmmakers that still have a very narrow view of what they perceive to be desirability in the casting of black actresses right like mm-hmm. i've been on twitter for years for mm-hmm. years like when i am gonna give danielle brooks a love interest like mm-hmm. when you're gonna give her a romantic leading role whether it's a romantic drama or romantic comedy danielle brooks is beautiful mm-hmm. and if you watch her in, already she's an accomplished actress we already know that emmy nominated Wonderful as Tasty. There's no mm-hmm. debate about her acting ability. But just speaking to the fact that one of the things that I love about Daniel Brooks is that she has this very beautiful spirit about her. Like, mm-hmm. who wouldn't want to fall in love with her? You know what I'm saying? And right. so, but but yeah, we don't 
you know, like the Mahalia Jackson movie. Yes, that's important. And now it's putting people more on the radar of who she is. But mm. it's this idea of like that actresses who look like Danielle Brooks are not seen or Winnie Masako and uh, Masaku are not seen as desirable enough to be in a leading role like that in The right. Heart of They Fall. So I, mm. I would hope that, you know, I, I'm not trying to trash the movie, but I think you can critique a movie. I think you can of hold course. a movie accountable. And I think for viewers, there needs to be this questioning and this interrogation of like when you watch romantic, um, when you watch romantic leads with black women, what kind of actresses are they casting? What mm-hmm. kind of message is Hollywood sending to us? Like, what do we consider? What do they consider to be desirable? And which roles go to the you know the sassy best friend? Like, and there, there's a certain reality in mm-hmm. what's going on in black relationships and black desirability. But yet, when we go that's to the movie, that's reflected. That's not reflected on screen. You're right. Exactly. You're absolutely you right. You know what I mean? So I think that's my main critique of at least the casting of Stagecoach Mary is that I just hope that black directors and even white directors who are seeing these conversations mm-hmm. about Stagecoach Mary that they will understand like what colorism means. Because, like you said, l- let me just double back a little bit. Mm-hmm. We do understand that there were darker skinned black actors that were cast to play the male characters, right? Like mm-hmm. Idris is playing Rufus Buck. Um, right. um Lakeith Stansfield is playing Cherokee Bill. Okay. Right. Let's be very clear on, on something. And this is why I'm going to say that it's the same, but not quite. Is right. the fact that when it comes to dark skin, mm-hmm. black men, the darker you are, you have more sex appeal. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why Morris Chestnut hit and not Michael Ely. I'm just keeping it mm-hmm. real. Let's just, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because even then there's like this this weird dynamic that even um, with black men, lighter skinned black men are seen as less masculine mm-hmm. and more like- Soft, soft. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. You understand? So you're casting these tough, roguish uh, characters. So then the default is going to be like, oh, I'm going to cast a darker skinned actor. I'm not saying that was the only factor in casting Idris. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that, but I'm just saying no. in the history of Hollywood, when you think about the the, the black actors that make black women moist- Okay, <laughs> they're usually darker skin. Regé Jean Pierre from Bridgerton is trying to break that right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm bringing light skin black. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, I mean, tall, but also, yeah. is a trope. Mm-hmm. I mean, tall, dark, and handsome is a trope across cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. in in quote unquote white films. You know, yes, the the, yes. the, the male leads they give him a little tan. They put give him a little color to give him a little bit of an exotic hue yes. you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, being too mm-hmm. being too pale ain't too you know ain't yes. too keen for them either so i see right. what you're saying for sure yeah yeah um, so so when it comes to like the casting of darker skinned women the problem is that it's the reverse for for black women lighter skinned black women and biracial black women are seen as more feminine more desirable and darker skinned black actresses are seen as masculine and threatening and tough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's, there's a little plan. there. so then thinking about Zazie, it's like, all right, well, this character was tough, but she was vulnerable. And why could you not have cast a black skin? Dark? Like, that's what I'm thinking. I was just like, all right, James Samuel, I, I, minus five points for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Minus 10. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him a nine, a minus 10. Point. Damn, oh, no. 10 whole points. Okay. 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 Man, minus six. All right. I'll say minus six. But because <laughs> now if Zazie was in the role and she did a terrible job, then yes, then I would have given him a 10. But I think right. Zazie gave a good performance. I liked yes. it. Yes. Um, you know what I'm saying? But all I'm saying is that I, I really want people to keep in mind 
going forward in, in, in casting these projects? Like if you are going for a lighter skin biracial actress, which Zazie is both, um, mm-hmm. why? You have to ask yourself why, especially mm-hmm. if you're, if you're, if it's in a, a role of a romantic lead or a desirability role, mm-hmm. why are you leaning towards that? Yes. And the problem is that you can't have this conversation on Twitter because Fenty mm-hmm. two, Fenty two forty. Kelly was telling me my friend Kelly Terrell said two twenty is too light. That's too light. Okay, <laughs> well, let me move it up. Fenty 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 two thirty and two two forty Twitter. You know who I'm talking about? It's like the biracials, the biracial women and the lighter skinned women who want to mm-hmm. fight you anytime mm-hmm. you talk about colorism. They're like we're black too, girl. Nobody said that you weren't black. We're talking mm-hmm. about the power dynamics and the beauty hierarchy in this fucking country that tells right. you that if you have a looser curl and lighter mm-hmm. skin, you are more desirable than right. like you're seeing, like Google is seen more desirable than Wunmi. Right. Now you and I, we have talked and I think you know the answer to that question. Okay. Well, I love Google. Right. Listen, I want to marry. A- yes. Women she's just, a lot of women. Oof. She's all, she's gorgeous. Like she's yes. like in Ruby. I was like, all right, Letty, you d- do your thing, do your light skin thing. But I was just looking for Ruby. I was just like, <laughs> she she had so much presence and she had like the sexuality about right. her. Like she's so. And so I was thinking, God, she would have killed this role in The Harder They Fall. And the same for Daniel mm-hmm. Brooks. They have different energies, but I think they would have executed that role in a way that would have. I think that could have been revolutionary, right? Mm-hmm. To see. Nat love falling in love and doing all the things that he did, risking his life to save her. Yes. Embodied in a dark skin plus size black woman. Yes. That would have said so much more. Yes. So Absolutely. much more. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So that- yeah. Yeah. So I we've we've done that. So I, you know, I don't want to hear the biracial Twitter coming for me. Listen, <laughs> y'all are my sisters, but I'm just I'm just stating facts. Like it is what it is. I'm sorry, ladies. Um <laughs> So let's talk about some of the things that we loved about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Let's start. So we started with the music, which we mm-hmm. love. The soundtrack is Cold Stone Fire. Like right. I have it on Spotify and I've been listening to it on repeat. It is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, yeah. And, you know, and like you said, the use of, you know, reggae and Afrobeat is just, just makes everything great. Right. I want to talk about the costume design. Oh, yeah. Who is, by the way, Black woman Antoinette Messam. Mm. I love her. <laughs> yeah. She, she them all looking dipped. First of all, yes. started a movie. That coat Regina mm-hmm. King had on. Mm-hmm. Like that military coat. Yes. I need that coat. That blue yes. coat was mm-hmm. fire. I was mad mm-hmm. she only had it on for that for that for that five minutes because she took it off. And I was mm-hmm. like, yo, I need that coat. But then yes, I'm looking at the scene now with um, Dion Cole and, he, mm-hmm. and just looking at his vest, the details that they put in all their clothes. And from what I understand, the mm-hmm. town that they're set in was supposed to, they, they made fabrics. Yeah. I they think that's. It. A, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just looking at everything that they're wearing, the coats, Lakeith's mm-hmm. coat, everything was styled to perfection. And mm-hmm. I, I'm really impressed with how, that part of the the film came together. It just complemented the wonderful acting. That's the part that got me. The story yes. of this mm-hmm. movie. Oh mm-hmm. my god! Like the tension, the way they were building it, and mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was, I was riveted. Like the pacing yeah. was just so good. There was no moment that I felt was filler. 
Like, yeah. you know, you, you watch movies this long and I, from what I understand, mm-hmm. it was actually longer. It was almost three hours originally, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think they knew they, they cut out just enough. I think it, even at two hours and I think 10 minutes, it never felt long to me. It never felt like I was like bored because he yes. was, he was taking you from one scene to the next. Okay. Now we're going to go to Idris. Now we're going to go to, to back to, to here. And then we're going to go. And, and they, I think he knew he had a lot of history and a lot of ground to cover. So mm-hmm. even in that, in the, in the beginning scene, when they robbed the, the Crimson Hood gang, that yeah. scene, you could have taken that part out, but it was just so funny and entertaining and it gave you, mm-hmm. even though homeboy Woody was only in there for five minutes, he said, I'd rather die than listen <laughs> to this dude talk. Like it was great. Like you, you, you didn't feel like, it was mm-hmm. wasted. It didn't feel yeah. like um, it was unnecessary. Everybody, even people with the smallest parts, you know, made the most of those five, those two minutes they were on screen. So I just want to give the the cast, because um, you could have easily sat back and said, "Well, shit, I'm in a movie with all these great people. I could just chill." Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. everybody, but it was the opposite. Is like being with all that greatness made everybody want to be even better. Yeah. You know, so there, they, there's there's two, so there's two performances that I want to talk to. Mm-hmm. specifically two or three that I want to speak specifically number mm-hmm. one let's talk about Dion fucking Cole yes. as Willie Esco Woo. I was not ready for that I was not because we all know Dion, <laughs> like I, I knew Dion Cole from he's a comedian and yes. an actor he's on blackish right right and that's how I was introduced to him and then I watched his Netflix special and his other stand-up specials on YouTube yeah if you had told me Mm-hmm. Now, originally, like the casting, like Dion Cole, I, like when I saw it, I was like, "All right, maybe he's gonna play a, a, a comedic relief role." <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think that's the beauty of when you have black directors or just directors in general that take mm-hmm. a chance on. Because yes. the thing is, Dion Cole is now, and I'm gonna put him in there. He's mm-hmm. in a long, tr- he's in a long history of com- comedians turned dramatic actors that are fucking yes. amazing. Robin yeah. Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, James Carey, uh, yeah. Adam Sandler. There's like, a, and women too, right? Like Maya Rudolph, she's comedic, but she could also do dramatic roles. Like yes. there's a long history of like comedians because comedy and drama are just different sides of each other, right? Remember like how exactly. they have the, the symbol of the face? It's just a different, mm-hmm. it's just different. And so mm-hmm. if you can find somebody that can tap into that, it was, mm-hmm. he was so, like his voice, his mannerism, I was just riveted. I did not see Dion Cole. I saw Willie Esco. Exactly. When he was sitting there talking mm. shit to his steak, he was he was pre- preparing his conversation. I didn't realize he was <laughs> sucking himself up. He's like, you're going to leave here. And you know, by the time I finish with this steak, you better get out of here. And then they walked in and he was like, oh, you realize he was rehearsing. Yes. <laughs> that was funny. Was like, and in the fight, when he fights Idris, he got in that first punch. You were like, oh, word? Word? Yep. And then the yeah. fight, Idris Pistol whips him and knocks mm-hmm. the Knock goatee. Out his goatee. Out his goatee. And, Lord have mercy. But yeah, he was he was another one of those like, what's the word for? It? He wasn't an anti-hero. He was a villain, but he was one of those like mm-hmm. everybody's bad, so you had to pick sides. So he's one exactly. of those people that he's the sheriff, but he mm-hmm. he, he he did Idris dirty. So he's mm-hmm. done his share of dirt. And he's selling the town. So he's some he the, the 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 brilliance of this film is that he keeps finding people for you to dislike more than Idris. Because Idris <laughs> this Idris is the villain, right? But as the yes. movie goes on, you keep finding people that are worse than him. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> this dude's about to sell the black town to the white people. 
mm-hmm. and leave. Mm-hmm. And, and you and and but, but Idris is the bad guy. Like, wait a minute, hold on. So that's what I thought was dope. His character was complicated. He wasn't. There was yes. no simple black and white. Like even even that love. You know, he's he's a very bad person. Like we're rooting for him to get his revenge, but the right. shit he's done to get to that point. He's killed, mm-hmm. murdered, God knows what else to get to that right. point. So the only person that I, I, I can't even say is maybe the ship, maybe Bass Reeves, Delroy Lindo's character is the only one that's maybe a quote unquote good, um, yes. a mm-hmm. good person, but everybody mm-hmm. else has a, has a, has a checkered past, so to speak. And I think that's what I liked about it. I like, cause mm-hmm. we talk about how, you know, like as black actors, you know, their thing mm-hmm. is like, they want to play more morally complex roles and you know darker roles they don't always want to play like the biopic heroic Mm -hmm. person like no i want to like viola davis is always saying that she's like i want to play messy you know characters which is why you know get how to get away with murder was just a great role for her because she was like i'm not i wasn't the best friend i'm not the sounding board to some white woman no i'm like this powerful black woman and i'm i'm messy you know and right you know what i mean so and i think so i think by giving them that playground and specifically picking like these historical figures that were like rogues and villains and whatever, it, it gets it's this different type of playground, like where, where our imagination can go to work. And so mm-hmm. I love that. Um, the second person that I want to talk about, <sighs> Regina King, I just, mm-hmm. the woman can do no wrong. Like no. I want to specifically, cause I tweeted this yesterday. Mm-hmm. The, the cast is incredible. Cause I think if you had gotten, a less stellar cast. And what I loved about The Harder They Fall is that you had, like like I said, like the established A-listers, like mm-hmm. Regina and mm-hmm. Idris. And I, I guess we'll put Jonathan Majors and then Lakeith down. But you also have like, our, you know, um, C.J. Ryler. Is it C.J. Ryler mm-hmm. or R.J. Seiler? I forget. Um, R.J. And then, you R.J. Know, mm-hmm. Yeah, R.J. R.J. Seiler. And then you had Eddie Gathigi. So like like the supporting cast, like they, they were bringing their A-game. You know what I yes. mean? So even if you may, they, Eddie Gathigi may not be like a name that you know after you watch mm-hmm. The Heart of They Fall. Like it's such a, it's such a memorable performance. So I love the mm-hmm. fact that he was going for talent and star power, right? Because let's be real. You can't sell a movie unless you have some star power attached to it. If you put Idris and Regina on the log line, what studio is going to say no? Who's going to be right. like, no, I don't want to, I don't want a movie with an Oscar nominated, uh, Oscar winning, <laughs> Emmy winning actress and mm-hmm. Idris? Nah, I don't want Idris. Everybody wants Idris. Let's, let's be real. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So, and then, so my, making this mix of like new and established and then iconic uh, actors like Delmar Lindo, who's like the GOAT, you know what I'm saying? Yes, And yes. so, but like Regina, to me, like, oh man, the acting in this movie, the scene where she had Zazzy when they had captured Zazzy beats his guy mm. they, they captured Mary and then um mm. Trudy goes to the prison goes to the town prison to talk to her remember there's that scene right. where Trudy recalls this childhood Pe- memory peeling the apple listen, yep. talk about listen. it talk about it talk the, about it and the camera is on Regina's face it's on her mm-hmm. peeling the carrot peeling the apple and then you kind of see shots of Zazzy just listening to her and the mm-hmm. story was horrific, but what it does is like mm-hmm. the, what the, what the, what the movie does is that it explains who Trudy is as a person, and the mm-hmm. thing that's so brilliant about Regina's performance and the writing is that you're both you both you want to hug her, but you're terrified, like you're scared of her, like you're mm-hmm. you're scared of her, but also feeling empathy for her, and it's it's like this mm-hmm. very conflicting feeling, like ooh, what happened to you was fucking awful, but Jesus, you're scary you know what i mean and just like her eyes never 
left Zazie's. Like she was peeling the apple. She didn't right, even look at right. what she was doing. Right. But that just that scene just relayed the pain and like the the dynamics between her and her father and why like we find out that she killed somebody. She wasn't even ten years old. This girl was like a little murder bot. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like shit. About to die. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And she was like, and notice she didn't say she murdered her. All they say is that they found the body of that girl with her slope threat, with her throat slit. We right. knew who did it. <laughs> right, right, right. And moving on, and then and then she was like, the next day my father sent me to go live with my grandparents or something like, because the father knew who did it. You know what I mean? And it just told you everything that you needed to know about Trudy. And what I love mm. about the writing in that character is that sometimes when we write women villains, sometimes I feel like writers and directors don't want to make them too villainous. Like, but mm. let me show you a little soft side to her. No, 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 no. The story, that story contextualized who Trudy was, but you know, James Samuel did not pull his foot off the lever as far as like, she was a villain. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right, right, you got right. that story and she went back to doing her villainous shit. <laughs> so right, I wasn't like, right. oh, I'm connecting with this woman. I'm going to help Zazie. I'm going to help Mary get out of prison. I'm going to turn to the good guy. No. Oh, no. Mm-mm. No. She was like, that's who I am. I'm that bitch. You know what I'm saying? And what I loved about and just even like the portrayals of the women in this movie. Like usually a lot of Western movies, the women are like the dancers of the distress. They're the women waiting at home. You might have that rogue, tomboyish, whatever. But no, mm-hmm. like to have a movie with three strong black women characters and when I say I mean and complex, let me say that. So between yes. Mary Fields and then well, I, I wanna say with Cuffy, I mean, there's a gender thing. So maybe we'll say non-binary. Let's let's put that. Mm-hmm. Let, mm-hmm. Maybe woman mm-hmm. non-binary and then Regina King. But just like how much material he gave them. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like he was like, I'm not gonna make y'all like just like the 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 side the 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 you know like the arm candy to cause a, a lesser director would have done that. You know what yes. I'm saying? But you see these women are constantly challenging authority like i think there was a scene where jonathan major where nat loves tells uh trudy like oh i'm gonna talk to your boss and she was like, She's like boss, boss. yep yeah like, like nobody tells she, me what to she, do she <laughs> even takes interest to task because remember in their conversation <laughs> she was mm-hmm. like how could you give homeboy all of this mm-hmm. this to run and not me but he was like right. listen who else is gonna keep all the gangs in line you that you mm-hmm. the motherfucker that's strong enough to do that so i had to put you where your strengths were and i'm like okay i respect the thing i wondered they flirted with Mm. it but they didn't really go all the way about Mm -hmm. the relationship between her and idris Mm -hmm. like there Mm -hmm. was there was kind of a hint that there was something more than just you know Mm -hmm. friendship and respect but they never yeah you know they didn't go all the way and say oh like they kissed or anything so it was just kind of subtle Because, you know, she's, yeah. she's helping him get dressed, putting on his cufflinks, right? And mm-hmm. sure, your friend could help you put your cufflinks on. But <laughs> yeah. that, to me, hinted at an intimacy that was yeah. a little bit beneath the surface. Um, I thought that was I interesting. Say this. That- yeah, I, I have a theory on that one. Well, number one, I mean, mm-hmm. I've watched the movie two times. So I have, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, well, maybe they did have a thing or no, maybe it's just platonic and it's like two equals who just really respect each other. I will mm-hmm. say this, when we find out, you know, Idris's backstory, when we find out who he really is and his relation mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, to Nat Love towards the end, mm-hmm. right? it seemed like, you know, Nat, that Rufus had a very close relationship with his mother. And the fact 
fact that she was taken away from him so young, I think in a way, I'm not going to say he sees Trudy as a mammy, like a mommy figure, but I think there's Mm. a closeness because she is a woman. I think Mm. he he trusts, I think he trusts her more than the men because she is a woman. Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying? Yes. And so I think that's that's sort of like there's like some dynamics at play there. Um mm-hmm. and I love how how Idris and Regina play it. It's very it's up to you whether you decide if they exactly. have a romantic relationship or not. Now, right. I right. Mm-hmm. I have a theory that I don't know that it's a romantic connection. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like maybe she and you know Rufus could be up one night just drinking, shooting the shit. Mm-hmm. And then they're just looking at each other and they fuck each other. And the next morning it's like, okay, which bank are we going to rob? Like, you know right, what I'm saying? Like, right, it's sort right. of like friends with benefits. Like, she, right. like Trudy is not one of those women that's going to get caught up in feelings. Exactly. Because she, she gets the I LD, if you know what I'm saying. Right, yeah, she's right. like, okay, you were cute. That was that was a fun romp. And <laughs> let's get back to business. Because, come on, Trudy is clearly getting her needs met. I, I, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that she's sleeping with somebody, you know what I'm saying? Right. And the way Trudy is, I don't see that she would sleep with somebody that is beneath her. You know what I'm saying? Like, as far as, like, position and power, it would have right. to be someone who's on her level and, you know, kind of excites her or whatever. So I, they could probably have, like, a sexual relationship. But it's okay if they have a platonic relation, too. Of uh, course. Uh, Plus, he was yeah, in yeah. jail. Plus, he was in jail for a long time. So I'm mm-hmm, not, I know mm-hmm. she was an outside waiting for him or nothing like that. So <laughs> Absolutely. But she's um, definitely loyal to him. He has a Loyalty, yes. Yes, she has a loyalty. Loyalty is definitely in Mm -hmm. play for sure. Yeah. Because she said that. She was like, I believe in your I believe in your vision. I believe in what you're trying to do. So Yes. So yeah, yeah, I think it's good that they didn't make it, you know, in hindsight, as I'm thinking about it. It's it would have probably muddied it too much to make Mm -hmm. it a romantic relationship because, you Mm -hmm. know. I think yeah. it was good that they kept it the way it, way it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say this. I'm just mm-hmm. like, yo, can we just get some, you know, Oscar machine, like some Oscar machinery behind this movie? Because I don't care what nobody says. Regina, to me, is a lock for supporting actress. Right. And anybody, mm-hmm. do like, if you want to say, oh, well, what clip would you, the apple, the apple quarrying scene mm-hmm. right there. That's mm-hmm. Oscar number two for her. Don't play with me. Don't play no games with me. That <laughs> is fucking acting. Okay. Well, we're, we're, so we're talking, about acting. We're talking right. about acting. This clue that mm-hmm. can we get talk about this ending scene, this di- this this dialogue between Idris and mm-hmm. Jonathan. Hello. Yes. You want to talk about mm. acting? The two mm. of them, the way Idris starts telling the story, like what kind of man was your father? And mm. let me tell you about my father. And I'm listening mm. to him and you know it kind of reminded me of like Heath Ledger's Joker when he would tell the mm. story about how he got the scars. But yeah, with like even yeah. more gravitas than that, because you knew the Joker was just fucking with you. He had a mm-hmm. real story that he was telling him, and was just like, "Well, my mm-hmm. father, he used to beat my mother, and he, when she she overcooked the food, she beat her when she undercooked the food." And he just mm-hmm. and Jonathan's like, "Why are you telling me this? I don't give a damn about your daddy." And he says, "Listen," <laughs> and he, <laughs> and he's talking, and in his story unravels, he says, "Well, my father, you find out he kills his mother." you know, in a rage and then leaves him mm-hmm. and leave and, and just goes about his life and leaves him with his dead mother sitting there. You're just like, you're crushed. And then you yeah. say, well, my father changed his life. He became a preacher, got himself mm-hmm. a family. And you see Jonathan Major's face change. And he's mm-hmm. like, got him a pretty little wife. And then I, and then I found him and, and then it all starts to come together. And it's like, Oh shit, yep. the fucking brothers. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the mm-hmm. look on Jonathan Major's face, because and 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 it it what what Buck says to him is so masterful. He's like, mm-hmm. I left you alive because I wanted you to become the one thing your father was trying to run from because he found that his father Ooh. was a son of a bitch just like him. So it's Ooh. this self of this, this prophecy. He's like, I'm going to let you, I, I left you yes. the same way, way, same way my father left me with my mother dead in the room. Mm. I left you the same mm. way and you became worse. And in, and then, and in the, in the gut punches, the difference mm. is you're going to be worse than me because I couldn't kill my brother. But you're mm. gonna kill your brother. Like, oh my God, you don't understand. I was throwing my pillows and everything. That's why like Cain and Abel on crack. What? Cain and Abel on crack. Are and you kidding me? Go ahead. And I'm let sorry. me tell you something. I, no, no, no. Like, listen, you know, I, Idris is, is, is a favorite of mine, mm-hmm. but I re- I've always said this about Idris is that Idris is a good actor. Mm-hmm. But when you put him with. Stellar actors, he steps his game all the way up. Like if you put him in a movie with like mediocre actors, then he's gonna give a mediocre performance. But when you right. make him, when you you put him opposite like Regina King, you know you can't come in and just like or Jonathan Majors, you can't just half ass that performance. You know what I mean? Like you when you watch between him and Jonathan Majors, like he was like like you could see Idris was like, yep, I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? Because right. Jonathan was ramping it up and he was ramping it up too. And, you know, the mm-hmm. same scenes with him and Regina. And, and the first time I saw that was in Luther. Mm. Where the girl, who's the actress? Uh, Ruth Wilson. Uh, Ruth Ruth Wilson, who plays Alice. Alice, mm. like, Alice was, like, she's an amazing actress. But my favorite scenes in Luther are always between Luther and Alice. Because right. she's such a great actress, Luther, like, Idris knew that he could not just phone in that performance. You know what I mean? So that was just seeing, like, two people just really... You know what I'm saying? So, and I think that's what I love about The Harder They Fall. Like, you can't dismiss it as just, oh, it's just a black western movie and it's just an action movie. No, there's some mm. really good performances in there and some right. great ones. And, I, and I'm calling out Regina King. Regina mm-hmm. King, if she does not get a best support, I'm fighting. I am fighting. Yes. January, whenever, yes. when they print, when they announce it, if Regina's not on that ballot, that is some bullshit. Mm. And I'm also going to say this. I think it should be up for best picture. Ah, Rebecca Lynch! Shut up. Listen, y'all giving us these corny ass, y'all giving us these corny ass Oscar Mayer Mayo movies. They were, <laughs> listen, let, let me let me show you how the Oscar that was the Oscar race between Denzel Washington in Flight and Daniel Day Lewis in, in Lincoln, right? Right. All oh, you God. saw was all you saw was the fucking picture. First look at Daniel Day Lewis as Abraham Lincoln. Did he look mm. like Abraham Lincoln? Yes. Did you hear mm. him say any dialogue? No. But already, no. again, the fucking rags were like. He's a lot for best actor. Mm. And if you look at Lincoln, Jerry, Daniel Day-Lewis is an excellent actor. Right. I don't even think his heartbeat went up past 100 doing that one. <laughs> Can you be real? I was like, except for the fact that he stood in the in the trailer and did all the prosthetic work, I've seen better performances from Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, what's that movie he did with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio with the Irish Gangs? Oh, Gangs of New York. Come on now. Oh, he yeah. didn't even win for that. He didn't even yeah. win for that. Yeah, and he like, was much better than that. the top hat but i was like this is not daniel's best work stop fucking around meanwhile (laughs) in flight you had denzel who played a messy ass drunk pilot Mm -hmm. right 
okay, somehow he saved the passengers, but now he's trying to hide. And, and of course, Don Cheadle, this was their reunion. I was so happy to see that. He's the investigator. Mm-hmm. And, you see, and I've always said that the best roles for Denzel is where he plays morally complicated roles. Yes. Like out of time, people sleep mm-hmm. on that movie. It's a very good movie. Like mm-hmm. those are the type of roles that Den- Denzel shines in. But then it was like, who won the Oscar that year? Fucking Daniel Day Lewis. I was like, stop playing mm-hmm. it in my face. And I will fight with white white critics all the time. They're like, no, Daniel Day Lewis gave the better. No, he did not. Mm-hmm. Stop fucking lying. If you watch Lincoln and you watch Flight, we know who the better performance is. Stop fucking around. If it, if the movie wasn't called Lincoln and it wasn't a biopic, you would not have you would have not have nominated that performance. You and were, there you, you go. They they were influenced by the fact that it was a biopic and it was Lincoln, and mm-hmm. that's all it was. Yes. But the performance itself was not memorable at all. Right. Right. To, and, to, and your, to is, your yeah, go ahead. I was going to say to your point, you know the Oscar darling that they're going to well not a darling but they're going to throw Dune out there, right? Well, uh... I would contend. Dune is nothing but a, a futuristic space western, right? <laughs> so if you're gonna nominate that shit, you can nominate this. Right. That's my point. Like, if you can nominate yeah. Dune, you can nominate The Harder They Fall because Dune is just a space western. I'm gonna fucking agree with you. I'm sure we're gonna get a lot of heat for that. But fuck y'all, this is this, this is my podcast, and I can say what I want. So exactly. there we go. I don't care. Go yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with you because like I watched Dune. Mm-hmm. After several tries, I had to watch it in increments. <laughs> this, right. I started on a Friday, continued on a Saturday, and finished it on Sunday. So that should tell you wow. what my interest in this movie was. Now, <laughs> I'm not. Now, let's be clear: the production design in Dune is gorgeous. The right. like the way it looks, yes. The score, right. yes. But overall, right. in the movie, it was fucking right. boring. Like, stop playing with me. Like, come on now. Like this. Like, Timothy Chalamet is a great... Like, he really wasn't even given 100% in that performance. He was dialed, Like, he was at 60 70% best. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they, fooled us, they fooled us colored by putting Zendaya in there. And the girl wasn't even in the movie for more than 10 minutes. Okay? Yep. She, she had the opening yep. monologue. And then you just see her in a series of, like, his visions looking like mm-hmm. some Calvin Klein obsession commercial. And then right. you finally see her at the end. And that's when you see there's some interaction between the two of them. And mm-hmm. clearly I'm hearing that she'll have more screen time in Dune 2 or whatever. All right. I'm saying is all to say out of Dune, the only really memorable performance, and I don't mind if she gets a nomination is Rebecca mm-hmm. Ferguson who played, mm-hmm. uh, who played Paul's mother. I thought Rebecca yeah. was good, but I will gladly put her performance up against Regina King's and The Harder They Fall any fucking day. Let them mm-hmm. fight. Let them go for that Best Supporting Actress. Because if you're going to mm-hmm. say that Rebecca Rebecca Fer- uh, Ferguson's performance was compelling and dude, then you can't turn around and look at The Harder They Fall and dismiss Regina King's performance. You can't. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Because, because there's... The thing is, like, you don't have to be in a great movie to get an acting nomination. It could be a mediocre movie, and yet mm-hmm. if the performance elevates that... Yeah. Then you, they deserve to be nominated. And I'm saying, number one, I don't think The Harder They Fall is a mediocre. I think it's dope. And I mm-hmm. would love to see it in the best picture race just to fuck with these oldies mm-hmm. <laughs> who have, who have right. this concept of what the Western, a Western movie is. Like just the cinematography. Like, um, I'm yes. a shout out to him. Um, it's, his name is Manai. I'll tell you what his name is. Manai Malamere. He's a Romanian cinematographer. He shot mm-hmm. Jojo Rabbit. Mm. Uh, Taika Waikiki's movie mm-hmm. the way that this movie is shot I was like every western movie is about to step the fuck up now any movie yep. that's in the pike 
There, I've not seen a Western movie look like that. The colors, the I mean, uh, clearly there's homages to other Western movies. That's, I'm not saying that it's original, but I'm saying like put together with everything else, there's no other Western movie that looks like The Heart of They Fall. Not collectively. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like the colors, the centering of the black. Like it's not. And, and I think this is part of the reason why I've never really been invested in the Western movie genre because I don't care about mm-hmm. white men. Oh, did I say that out loud? Okay, yes, I did. <laughs> I don't care about white. I don't care about white men's narratives. Not so much anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh, he's the rogue clone, and he's gonna go get revenge. Because uh, you know at, like, at the heart of westerns is American imperialism, which is why I can't fuck with them. It's all about manifest destiny, manifest and destiny, go. and conquering the West. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not fucking with that. So I haven't really mm-hmm. been able to, I can't enjoy Westerns the way most people can. Cause I know what's at the heart of them. That all that John Wayne cowboy shit is about killing native Americans and, you know, basically and, imposing, and, and, imp- imposing the white yeah. man's will on everybody. That's right. And, and can we talk about the fact that John Wayne was a racist in real life or, or can mm-hmm. we not talk about that? All right. Motherfuck him yeah, and I mean, John Wayne. Yeah. So I've sort of, so never, I've never been invested in these type of stories. And cause let's think about the fact that these Western movies really cast native Americans in such a degrading way. Like they literally yeah. made native Americans as savages. Mm-hmm. Like you can't course correct that shit. Like you can talk about all oh, the, the 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 cinematic merits of a John Wayne movie all you want, but you can't fuck with the fact, like you said, that mm. it is about American period. It is is manifest destiny. Yep. And that's a, and that's the thing that I have a problem with the white critic film community is like whenever you try to talk about these movies that came out, they're like, well, that it was just a reflection of its time. It's not their fault. They just didn't know any better. It's like stop that bullshit. Like. Birth mm-hmm. of a Nation, they stay trying to write apology receipts for this movie. And I'm like, I don't care what you say. Birth of a Nation was fucking white supremacy propaganda. That literally caused white people to attack black people. Like, y- you can coincide the release of um, Birth of a Nation with lynchings. Yep. The, re- the, the, the rebirth of the Ku Klux Klan which was, mm-hmm. re, you know, they, they had a meeting at Stone Mountain in Georgia. Like, let's talk about all the negative effects that that movie made. And I feel like white film critics, they like to have it both ways, right? On one hand, they love to talk about the merits of cinema, how it can transform lives and how it can do this. And then when black people and people of color was like, hey, that white movie was racist. And did they, right. oh, no, 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 it's just entertainment. No, you don't get to have it both ways, motherfuckers. You don't. Either the movie said what it said, <laughs> and you got to live with that, right? So you you can't you can't pussyfoot and just be like, oh no, well John Wayne movies were just entertainment; they weren't really about killing Indians. Yes, the fuck they were. And let's also talk about the fact that yeah, I didn't even cast no Native Americans to play these Native Americans. You literally got white actors in fucking red face. Yep. Or brown face. Let me say brown face. Like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why I love The Harder They Fall because James Samuel was like, I'm turning all that shit upside down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and it's not to say that there haven't been other Black Westerns. Like you said, the, the movie that you first saw, mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine just uh, turned me on to this other movie it was in, in the 1970s called Buck and the Preacher, which was mm-hmm. actually starred Sidney Partey and uh, oh, Harry Balafonte Jr., and mm. stuff and so like so there have been black westerns here but th- they've been peppered through but they're not they don't they didn't have like the power of a studio behind them they weren't getting all that all the accolades you know what i'm saying so i think mm. the harder they fall is definitely a love letter 
It's both it's both an an indictment <laughs> on the western mm-hmm. genre but it is also a love letter like hey we see you and also just yeah. letting people know that there were black cop I think there was a statistic James Samuel said this in the Twitter live space that one out of four black cowboys was black. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if it's one out of four, then what the hell are you doing with these super white movies? And let's talk about the fact that The Lone Ranger was based on Bass Reeves, who was a black U.S. Marshal, and you go yep. around and turn and make The Lone Ranger a white man? What the mm-hmm. fuck is y'all doing? But again, mm-hmm. if you try to critique them on that, they want to fight you. But I was like, all right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, overall, I love that movie. I enjoyed it, and I'll probably be watching it at least three or four more times before Christmas. <laughs> watched it three times. I've watched it three times, and I'm, I, I've, I've had it on while we're having this conversation, so technically it's four, and mm-hmm. I know I'll be watching it again. The replay value is it for me. Like, if a movie's on streaming yeah. and I want to watch it more than once, then that's mm-hmm. a winner for me. And I have watched this movie because I, I, I catch different things each time I watch it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I I love it. I recommend it. And if you if you want a Bass Reeves movie, there, a movie came out um, called Hell on the Border last mm. year. Mm-hmm. That was about that was a more fleshed out direct movie. Um, that was directed by Wes Miller. Okay. Um, so is, is, if, he if, black, if, is he a black director? I don't know. I was just sharing the info, but um. Mm-hmm. I can look David, it up. Yeah. David David Giassi um plays Bass Reeves. Oh yes. What, what's it called? Hell on the Border? Hell on the Border. Yep. It came okay. out. Let's, Actually 2019. Came out 2019. Yeah, that story mm-hmm. needs to be told. Oh, it's it's showing on Epics if you want to watch yep. it. Or I guess you can mm-hmm. think. I'm trying to see who the director is, Wes Miller. I'm always interested. Oh! Um, Wes Miller is a black man. I will be watching uh, that. <laughs> um, and I also and I also read that Chloe Zhao, who directed The Eternals, mm-hmm. which is now number one, um, mm-hmm. I think it made 161 million globally. Um, mm-hmm. And so I read somewhere that Chloe Zhao is supposed to be working on a Bass Reeves mm-hmm. uh, project for Amazon, I believe Amazon Studio. Okay. So I'm I'm hoping that the harder they fall will actually inspire, like mm-hmm. to really um, flesh out more of the Black Western genre. Um, yes. I'm hoping other studios, I don't mind when other studios copy. As long as you do it well, I don't care. That's more black content for us. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'll be very honest with you. The way that The Harder They Fell, The, the Harder They Fall ended, I'm seeing two potential spinoffs. One spinoff mm-hmm. with freaking Judy Smith. Yes. Treacherous Judy. Call it Treacherous Judy and the Treacherous Six or whatever. <laughs> like, I just want to see her in an all gay, an all girl gang, all girl black gang. I mean, mm. we did have gang, of, we had gang of roses, but we tried not. That to was that. not, yeah, it was not good. You gang know, but I, but I appreciate the effort. I'm not gonna knock it. I mean, it's just the actresses in it were just. Mm-hmm. I'll, knock it. I'll knock but it. I'll knock it. But it's there. I'll, I'll take. I'll take the heat. You'll take the heat. Okay. Not, not, not everything yeah. can be good. I, I, I want my, <laughs> I want my yeses to mean something. Like I tell people, I want my nose to mean something. So I don't yeah. say yes to everything. I'm yes. not gonna say everything is good. Because yeah. Gang of Gang of Roses was not good. Um, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> it wasn't. But I, but I think, but I think a spinoff. I think a spinoff movie with yes. Regina King's character with Trudy Smith yes. and like. A, and I'm already thinking, like, you know who I want in this movie? I want Gabrielle Union. I've been wanting to see Ooh, Gabrielle Union play yes. a badass so bad. I was just right. like, give it to her. Like she's she's done L.A. Finest where she plays a mm-hmm. cop or whatever. So clearly yes. she's already familiar with guns. I want to see her in cowboy attire. And she and Regina are actually good friends in real life. So I would yeah. see that. You know who else who I would add in there? Re- Regina fucking Hall. 
Right. I love Regina Hall. Like I could see Regina Hall and um, not Taraji. I could see Taraji in that. Oh hell yeah! Taraji. Hell yeah! Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then for younger actresses, I'm trying to think of younger black actresses I would want to see. Our girl, um, Dominique Fishback. Well, well, yes, her. But I was thinking from um, um, mm-hmm. sheesh. Where am I? I'm looking at her face right now. Uh, okay. She was in um in Barry Jenkins movie in um Oh, she was in uh the uh Kiki, Kiki, Kiki. Kiki Palmer. Kiki oh, Kiki, Kiki Lane. Lane. Kiki Lane. And although I would love Kiki Palmer to also be in this Treacherous yes. Six movie. This Treacherous Two movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiki, both Kikis. Yeah, because Kiki Palmer has that badassery about her, and I of could course. totally see her play like a bank robber, cowboy. You whatever. saw her insecure this last Sunday. She was cutting. Yes, up. She was giving Lawrence the business. So yes. Oh man, Kiki, we, we, Kiki well, Palmer. We, you have to come back because we have to talk about insecure when we do another. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. But um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Jerry, for taking the time. Thank you. An hour and sixteen minutes. I was like, I told my friend, oh, this won't take more than an hour to record live. Um, Because this this movie is too hard. It goes too hard. Yeah. I wanted to leave with one piece of um wish casting. Mm -hmm. Something I thought about. Sure. um, Imagine if Chadwick was with us. If he could have played the Cherokee Bill role, because (gasps) I was I was thinking about how he played Mm -hmm. Levy. And how yeah. well he plays dark, yeah. what he could have done with that. Not to say Lakeith was great. I have no, yeah. I don't take anything away. But you're from just Lakeith. imagining. Yeah, there's but nothing I'm wrong with that. If there, if there was a role that Chadwick could have ta- put taken on in this particular mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. I mean, he could have been Nat Love too. But he would, he could, mm-hmm. he could have killed Nat Love. But I'm like imagining him as that villain gunslinger. Oh, yeah. he'd have been. He'd have been so dope. He'd have been so dope that year. Oh, that's oh my- yeah, and then um, oh yes. So I agree with that. And then because oh, I was saying there were two potential spinoffs. So one mm-hmm. with Regina King and the Trudy Smith character, and then mm-hmm. one with the Bass Reeves and the Cuffy. Because remember, Cuffy Ooh, decided to join. Yes, I. Well, that could be a fucking series. Just every episode, they're mm-hmm. down. Whatever, please inject that into my fucking veins, okay? And plus, Same what you can coffee. do. Woo. Yeah, and plus you can you can do that by showing uh, flashbacks of Cuffy's backstory about the fact that she joined the military mm-hmm. under because I'm assuming that's how she got all of her fighting skills and her gun skills was that this right. before she joined the military. Because yeah, right. it takes place in 1890. Right, you could kind of interperse, you know, you could put that in there and stuff. Like I would like Dub Orlando and Daniel Dywak, like they could totally carry a, a series, Ooh, a, a, yes, a limited yes. series. And then, it, and then you have to circle it back to Trudy and, the, mm. and her gang. And you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like and that they meet would up. be, yes. yeah, yeah. Mm. So I, I, I'm hoping we could see that. So yes, thank you, Jerry. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So everybody, the harder they fall, it is streaming on Netflix. Trust me, it is a delight. You will love this movie, the acting, the cinematography, costume design, music, everything, just everything was just speaking to my soul. I was like, this is the movie I didn't think I need, but clearly I did. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you all all for listening to another episode of Spectrum Lounge. I will see you on the other side. 